Well, good afternoon, and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk is a program for the Christian layman, the Lutheran who believes but may have some questions. In short, well, that program's designed exactly for someone just like me. There's a lot I don't understand, even though I believe, and it doesn't have to be soul-shaking. It might just be something that's been in my mind for a while or something that just just happened. Now, rather than getting into a deep theological discussion, I find that a casual front porch-style talk of the pastors offer the best way to understanding, and that's what this program is all about. Today's guest pastor is Andrew Preuss from Trinity Lutheran Church in Gutenberg and St. Paul Lutheran Church in McGregor, Iowa. Now, I have my questions. I'm sure you have yours. Now, you can send your questions by email at any time at letstalk at kfuo.org or call during the program. If you're in the St. Louis area, that number is area code 314-821-0850 or anywhere toll-free in North America at 800-730-2727. Now, once again, you can... Put in your questions either by email at letstalk at kfuo.org or call in in the St. Louis area at area code 314-821-0850 or anywhere else in North America. Just call in at 800-730-2727. Well, as we say, welcome to the program. And we're having a little bit of a technical problem here. The technical problem being... I can't get all the Pastor Price. So while we are waiting for Jenny, our producer, to get that taken care of, let's you and me have a little talk. Now, I want to tell you about something that happened to me yesterday. And uh, I got to tell you, yesterday was not a good day for me. It was a very bad day. I am one of these people who believes that pets, dogs in particular are family members. Now, I've been around dogs all my life. I love them with all my heart. I truly consider them to be family members. And as you might guess from what I'm saying, I had to put my faithful friend Toby, a black lab, to sleep yesterday. The poor guy had had been having some seizures and losing his appetite and weight, and he couldn't he, he forget where he was, and he finally got to the point where he got so weak he simply couldn't stand up. So took him to the vet and uh, sat there, and I petted him while the vet put the injection in. And I watched his breathing slowly stop. He looked at me when I brought him into the vet. He was on a stretcher. And then he just sort of closed his eyes and went to sleep. And he stayed that way throughout the entire procedure until it was over. And I got to tell you, I was, and still am, for that matter of fact, still in tears over that. That really, really tore me up. So I wonder, what is the role we have for our companion animals in this life, you know, their first article gifts, I mean, there's no question about it. God gave them to us for a specific reason. But what is their role? Am I overreacting to that? Am I that I'm so badly shaken by that? You know, I've lost friends before. I think we all have. I've My parents have passed away. I've even lost a wife. And uh, I have to tell you, that is really, really a sad thing to have happen. And this one has really, really just just gotten to me. 
And uh, we'll talk about this a little further. Fortunately, it looks like we now have Pastor Preuss on the line. Pastor, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks. Uh, Pastor, I don't know if you missed the first part of it. Um, I was talking about how I had a really bad day yesterday. Uh, Uh My bad day was that I had to put my 14-year-old Labrador retriever to sleep. Oh. And I am definitely a dog person. And dogs are, they're family. No ifs, ands, or buts. They're family to me. And it hurts. And, but I understand dogs are first article gifts. But mm-hmm. I, I keep wondering. I, I know that the Bible says that only we have souls. Mm-hmm. But will we maybe uh, be, be united with our, four, our four-footed family later on? Well... I mean, it, it, it's not it's not about necessarily having a soul as much as it is having um, being made in the image of God. And so, the if you look at creation, uh, you know, God says uh, God gives a living spirit the breath of life to to the animals as well. But it's not the same breath of life as He gives to man because man is made in God's image. So. Um, so when it when it comes to to understanding our relationship with animals we should go to what that means we should go to the the what the how the how creation talks about being made in God's image and that means that that we are like God um according to his original design that we have we we are have a relationship with God and uh, and part of that then in kind of its broader sense is exercising authority over the animals, which implies that we actually have a relationship with them, which is one that we cannot possibly imagine with without sin. You know, having sin, we can't possibly imagine what exactly that was like. And that's, I think, what is so really remarkable about dogs in particular. I think dogs, more than any other animal, have that um, response to mankind that they actually respond to the authority that we have. Most other animals just run away, you know, or get threatened. And so they show that there's that fear, um, which is really a corruption from the fall, um, but, it, but, but demonstrating that mankind is, is in charge. Um, so, but, but dogs have that. They, they're able to give a uh, relationship and respond to that God-given authority that, that man has over the animals. And I think that, the you know, for those who... Who uh, who suffer the loss of a of of a of a pet, um, especially a dog? Uh, they can take comfort in the in, in in Romans eight that talks about how all creation groans with labor pangs until the revealing of the sons of God. Um, and the relationship that you had with your animal um, is one that is a gift of God from creation but also then has the promise of being restored. Now, that doesn't mean that your specific animal um, with his, his specific, you know, personality um, is, uh, is resurrected. I mean, the resurrection of the body is only for those made in the image of God, because Christ did not become an animal, he became a man. Um, and, uh, but with that, though, you have the, uh, the, the any, any pain that you feel because of... Uh, because of the brokenness of creation, the corruption of creation, which you see when your dog dies, 
you know, uh, something basic as basic as that. Um, there is the promise of that being restored um, uh, at when our bodies are restored. So, so, so as far as particular promises of your dog being raised from the dead, well, no, that the Bible doesn't doesn't say that. There's no promise of that. But there is the particular promise of your body being raised from the dead, and with that, the image of God perfectly restored, and with that, then this um, this this reestablishment of a perfect relationship with creation. Um, and so, so are there is, are there dogs in heaven? All you know, dogs go to heaven, the, Pastor. Yeah. I got to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, in the uh, in the uh, in in. In the new creation and new and new, you know, new new heavens and new earth. Well, we shouldn't have any uh, doubt that God would have a similar creation, you know, mm-hmm. um, with with that kind of relationship. But but I, and I think it's, I think it's a, it's it's pretty important that we don't maintain um, uh, that we don't speculate on specific, you know, um, like rover going to heaven. Um, because first of all, God doesn't promise that, and second of all, why do people assume that their dogs go to heaven? Because they think that they've merited it. Right? <laughs> so if dogs can merit eternal life, well, then why can't we? Right. So uh, now I will say that dogs don't have sin, even though they might do things that are bad um, that you can see. But see, that's the thing: is that sin is not merely the outward. Um, bad behavior it is the corruption of the of, of the the image of god in us it is the denial of the image of god in us and so the animals are certainly uh affected by this um but and so so the mourning that you feel the sorrow that you feel over your 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 pet uh uh, uh you know being dead is the sorrow of you know is, is, is really the mourning of creation it is the labor pangs of creation that cry out waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. And, uh, you know, this is described in Romans 8. Well, a couple of sayings about dogs, and I firmly believe, uh, one is that uh, dogs are put on earth to show us that we are loved. Uh, Only animal gives unconditional love. You know, humans don't. Dogs do. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've often heard the thing, my life's ambition is to be the person my dog thinks I am. And uh, I forgot who it was who once said, uh, lucky dogs, they are the only creatures who have seen the face of their God. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and uh, you know, dogs are, again, uh, probably the most, uh, the, the, the closest depiction that we have of what God intended all the animals to be. Um, you know, God gave all, God gave all the animals to be named by Adam and to have a, have authority over them, which implies not simply that he just, you know, uh, bosses them around, but that he names them, he takes care of them, they listen to him. Um, this is why, you know, I think we talked about this last time when, you know, the, the Eve wasn't, wasn't freaked out when she saw that, that a snake was talking to her. And I, I I think that that's perfectly reasonable to to understand uh, uh, with in a world with no sin. I mean, if you're living in a world with no sin and you're able to basically communicate with the animals in a very intimate way, 
You know, imagine not having that barrier of sin, which is why we can't communicate with the animals as well, why we don't have the authority over the animals uh, uh, that we would want to have. Um, because authority is not just bossing around, but, but having that close companionship and relationship and that they actually listen to you and communicate with you. So it is really remarkable when you think about dogs in that respect, because they do, they probably resemble that more than any other animal. And I think they also, part of their role on this earth is to teach us things. Um, like I said, they, they, that's the only animal that, that will give unconditional love. They teach you about, uh, they teach you about loyalty. They teach you about that love. They teach you that, you know, a, a dog will do anything to protect his, his family, his pack. Mm-hmm. And, uh, those well, are virtues. It's, it's a humbling thing. Um, because it is, it, you know, as, as the psalmist says, all creation you know, declares the heavens declare the the the, the glory of God. You know, all creation uh, declares God's glory, and when a dog is obedient to you, um, is kind to you, and you know his actions and all, and, and is affectionate toward you, this is a testimony of the of the original goodness of God's creation. Now, obviously, we know that not all dogs are good. You know, yeah, right. Lots of times, you know, yeah, I've known so. <laughs> they can be very mean, right? Yeah. And uh, and and so this is and and it's it's a relatively recent phenomenon to have such a a universal depiction of dogs being man's best friend. I mean, that uh, dogs often were, you know, were, were just kind of, you know, the 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 they they weren't they weren't as esteemed in. Uh, in, in earlier years as they are probably in the last century or so. I mean, so, so that's, but, um, you know, th- this is, so when we do have a relationship with an animal, um, uh, like with a dog, then, you know, there is, uh, this is a testimony of God's gift. You know, think of, um, think of, uh, uh, the story of, of Nathan coming to, to David to rebuke him, and call him to repentance for his uh, adultery and murder. Uh, he he tells a story about a man with a little lamb, and uh, and how he raises this lamb, and this lamb is like a daughter to him, you know. And so so there are other examples of of close relationships that you know that God has given um, with animals, has given to us to have with animals. Um, that and 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 the, the the purpose of it is to teach us that God is the giver of all good things. And I think it really does put us to shame, too. I mean, consider that we have a relationship with the birds, too. They sing for us, you know? They entertain us while we're seeing it. We don't necessarily even realize it. They might not come up and, like, give us kisses and stuff like dogs mm-hmm. do, but they, they do. You know, they're a great gift from God. Oh, yeah. And, I've got a bird you know, feeder right outside my kitchen window. I love to yeah, watch it. Yeah, we do, too. And it's, it's a wonderful thing, and it teaches us, Again, it declares, um, obviously, this is something that you can only really see if you're a Christian, if you understand first that, that God is, is, our, is our creator and redeemer and our sanctifier, but then, but then through that we can see how the creation uh, points to that. And like Luther has a, a comment on um, when he's, uh, he's preaching on, uh, on the Sermon on the Mount um, in, in, in Matthew chapter 6, he's talking about you know, where Jesus says, you know, consider the birds of the air. They don't even know when their next meal is coming from. And so Luther says, every time you hear the birds sing, 
you should put your head down in shame um, because you worry so much. And look at them, they're not even worrying. And so we have, so any type of companionship or relationship that we have with any of God's creation um, is, uh, is meant to teach us about our God and about the goodness of our God and to reaffirm um, uh, God as a good and gracious creator. Um, and, uh, and we should be reminded then to thank God for all the gifts that he gives us and, uh, and, and, not, um, uh, and not think that these things come from us. You know, it's it's uh it's you know you can train, you can you can you can train certain animals all you want, but at the end of the day, it's whether God has put it in that animal to actually, you know, be a companion. So it all comes from God. Well, I think another lesson that that they teach us, um, and one of the biggest sins and biggest temptations that we have is materialism. Yes. And I look at the dogs, and the dog, all he wants is his kibble. The dog wants his water bowl, maybe an occasional walk, and wants for no greater pleasure than to sit by your feet. And, yeah. wow, that is a lesson. That teaches us something. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's, that's uh, and th- this, is, this is something that uh, what, what teaches us, the example that Jesus sets before us, um, I mean, dogs teach us this, I think, to our shame, um, more so because they're animals and they're not made in the image of God. But what also what gives us uh, even more instruction in this is children, that they they are made in the image of God, and uh, and they you know Jesus gives them as an example of faith. And one of the things that I've noticed with having children is they see my faults all the time when I lose my temper, when I when I uh, you know make mistakes. When I'm, you know, uh, they, they see me in my pajamas, you know, I don't let oh, yeah. anyone see me in my pajamas, you know, that's, uh, uh, so, so, but my kids see me like that and they see all my weaknesses and yet they, it's ingrained in them to respect me. Now that doesn't mean they don't have their sin and they're not going to, you know, they still need to be disciplined and all that. But you see that with, uh, anytime that God puts you in charge, uh, that God gives you authority over, over another human being or another animal, uh, or, or an animal, I should mm-hmm. say. Uh, you know, it's a humbling experience because God is really showing you, um, uh, you know, what it means to submit, uh, what it means to rely and be content. Like you said, you know, the dog's just happy, you know, sitting at your feet. You know, and this is, this is it, 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 you know, and, and there's, and, and children, you know, like I said, children are given as an example of faith. Um, and dogs are actually, there's actually one example where dogs are given an example of faith, where the Canaanite woman says, yes, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. They're content even to eat the crumbs. Yeah. And so we learn from all of creation, um, it is God's will that after we come to faith and we know what the truth is, you know, it's not like you can just go walk in the woods and learn about God apart from learning about your your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he did for you. But once you learn about your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he did for you, and you study God's Word, then you can look at creation and see how all these things do teach you of the glory of God and the, uh, and the gifts of God and faith. You know, what it means to rely on God. Well, Pastor, we've got Sue from, oh, darn, I just lost her. I was going to, Sue from Imperial. Uh, she had a question about it. If yeah, we can get her back, we'll put her on. Uh, but I'm thinking, oh, yeah, it looks like she may be calling back now. Yes, I think she is. 
And as soon as Jenny, our producer, puts her through, we'll get her on the line. Okay. You know, I think maybe you know part of the part of the thing may be well here she is so let's uh, let's let her talk first. Hi Sue, sorry we lost you. No problem. Um, first of all, uh, Mr. Allen, you have my deepest sympathy. Thank you so much. You're welcome. We just lost our dog oh, in dear. August. Um, my heart breaks, but we have two little adoptees from a shelter that are adorable right now. But this phone call right now to me is proof that God is shining over you because I'm calling to tell you I have been visited by several angels when we've lost our pets. Really? And this yes, and the specific one is not this this dog was put to sleep by an angel at our vet. She I swear looked like an angel and was wonderful. I, I know your experience was very sad and heartbreaking. Um but if look for signs from God, they are there. The dog before this one that we had to put to sleep before she died we went to a Christian concert in Kirkwood, and a woman came up to us and laid her hands on our dog. He was very ill, 15 years old. We just brought him there in a wagon and just to get him out, her out. And she said, may I pray for your dog? Mm. And I said, yes, you may. And she blessed her and said, in two days, she will be better. Two days. And she got up and walked away. <laughs> Curly went to heaven in two days. She passed. Uh. Two days later. So that angel was telling us she's going to be in heaven with Jesus and better. Those are my signs. And to quote Bible verses, not even a bird falls from the air without our Savior knowing it. So that tells me he loves the pets. So thank you so much. It's so comforting. I really appreciate it. Oh, you are so welcome. And my husband said, our pets are taken care of now that have gone on home before us. We have to take care of what's here. So that leads us to go adopt from, you know, the most desperate of desperate dogs. So when the time is ready, go save another life. Get a pet from the pound. Well, actually, I will do that. In fact, he actually was a pound a rescue dog. And I do have another one, followed by the name of Nash, who is also a rescue dog. Oh, so. well, bless you. You are doing God's work. I don't have children either. I have heard you on previous programs. Uh. So this is our calling, the way I see it. So God bless you. And Pastor, your guest pastor, I'm sorry I didn't catch his name. Thank you for your comments. They are comforting as well. Okay. Thank you oh, so you much, Sue. You're welcome. God bless, and have a good weekend. And I'll be thinking of you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, Pastor, that was an incredible call. Yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, when you, when you, uh, I think the key is always to go to the Word of God. And, she, you know, she brought up uh, from Matthew uh, 10 there that not a not a uh, uh, a bird falls to the falls to the ground except for our father's will and this does tell us that god cares about his creation um now again like i said you know we the bible doesn't say anything about the specific souls of animals and where they go there's no promise to a specific animal um but uh, it is more of creation as a whole, which groans, and God does care about it, and you know, and promises with the resurrection of our bodies to restore that which has been lost. And so I think that that's the best way to kind of um, uh, to, to to see it, um, so that we you know we we know that while there are things of less value on Earth and things of more value on Earth. Um, we recognize that God still values all of them. That's Jesus' point 
uh, both in Matthew 10 and in, and in Matthew 6, where he talks about, you know, consider the birds, consider the lilies even. You know, God values the lilies. He values the hairs on your head. And, you know, go back to creation where God created man, and then after he has created everything else, and he says, look, I've given you all of these things. So they're all given for us. And so that's the whole point, is that they should all remind us of what God does for us. So when we say that a, like, a, a, a plant um, is uh, burned in the fire, we're not saying that it's of no value. No, Jesus is actually, he's trying to heighten how valuable we are, because we're made in God's image, and that God has promised to redeem us from sin. Um, and, 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 uh, and, but if we don't maintain that there is that, there are levels of value. I mean, just, we, you know, when it comes to all creatures, all creation of God, then we can understand from that perspective the height of what Jesus is really getting at when he says, you know, uh, are, are you not much, are you not of much more value than they? Mm. Um, and that is, uh, that you're made in God's image. And look, but, but look at how much care God puts into these animals and these, and even the plants. Um, and so that should really be your comfort is that God in his word has promised to restore you. Um, and because really when our dogs die, um, when our, you know, we had a tree frog last year and, you know, we, we, uh, uh, we were like feeding it bugs and stuff like that. And, you know, then it, 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 uh, he died one day and that was hard, you know, I mean, that's, that's like, it's, it's a living thing. It's something, especially the fact that you consider that it's put under your care Mm -hmm. and then, and then it dies, you know, these are, so, so what it all teaches us is of our own sin. Anytime anything dies, um, it reminds us that, you know, God said to Adam, cursed is the earth because of you, but what is the promise that God will save us? Because when God saves us, he saves all creation. So, so I would, uh, I, I, I would, um, I'd focus on the promise that God gives to our bodies and souls. But then when we talk about the animals that we would, understand it as a general promise that is derived from the promise that he gives to us, because we are the crown of God's creation. Okay, Pastor, we're going to take a little bit of a break here, and uh, we've talked enough about my heartbreak, so <laughs> we got some listener questions I want to get to after the top, after we finish our break. So stay tuned, we got a lot more to talk about. Worldwide KFUO salutes our day sponsors on this Friday, November 3rd, 2017. Today's day sponsors are members of the family of Jonathan Brinkman. Today's day sponsors have made a contribution to Worldwide KFUO in loving memory of Jonathan Brinkman, who is spending his birthday in his heavenly home with his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Once again, we say thank you to the family of Jonathan Brinkman. Today's Worldwide KFUO day sponsors. The Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, and Corporate Synod, daily reaches out to our members and partners 
working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org careers. Come out and join us Friday afternoon for a live broadcast from Concordia Publishing House, 3558 South Jefferson in St. Louis. You can meet and hear Pastor Jeff Hammer and Rebecca Curtis discussing biblical masculinity and femininity, and Pastor Paul McCain on the enduring legacy of the Reformation. Issues Etc. live from Concordia Publishing House. Issues Etc. live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Join KFUO for some worldview demolition as a roundtable of Missouri Synod pastors break out the hard hats, deconstruct the strongholds of bad opinions and false notions, and set up shop with the mighty fortress of God's Word. Every Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Central, Cross Defense hungers for the truth by studying Christian dogma, believing above all that when God speaks, it's a gift given so that we might speak it back. Cross Defense, where old school theologians never stop rocking on. Experience the book that shapes history. On November 17th, Museum of the Bible opens in Washington, D.C., just three blocks from the Capitol, a place where everyone can engage with the Bible, its history, narratives, and impact. Through personal exploration, interactive media, and advanced technologies, the Bible comes to life in new ways. From the dramatic entrance to media programs to an adventure space for children to encounter the young people of the Bible, or the Galilee Theater and the world of Jesus of Nazareth, the Hebrew Bible experience, or the history of the Bible floor, it's just a sampling of the ways to experience this book of all books. And from Carrie Summers, president of Museum of the Bible, this invitation. Let's engage our families, our community, our nation, and our world in the Bible. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible. Opening later this month in Washington, D.C. Welcome back again to Let's Talk to Pastors. And my guest pastor today is Pastor Andrew Preuss, who has two, uh, two ministries in uh, Iowa. Ooh, cold place. I used to live there. If you've got your questions, give us a call. If you're in the St. Louis area, you can call us at 314-996-1542. Oops, that is our comment line. Don't don't listen to me. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> our call in line is 314-821-0850. 314-821-0850. And in North America, anywhere toll-free, it's 1-800-730-2727. Pastor Preuss, we have got a listener question here. This one is from Denise in Ohio. She actually has two questions, but let's go with the first one here. Here's what she says. I listen to other Christian radio stations and have been to concerts with Christian performers when they're giving their testimony at some point in an attempt to reach those who don't know God. And they invite you to ask, invite Christ or God into your heart. Or say, I remember when I accepted Christ or God into my heart. First question, is it wrong to give testimony? I don't remember ever hearing a Lutheran give one. And it seems how we share God in our lives, if we are one on a one scenario or in small groups, but that's not labeled as testimony. Personal testimonies make me feel uncomfortable, like I'm not a good enough Christian in comparison. Interesting point. Well, first, I'd, I'd recommend... Um, instead of going to Christian concerts, listen to uh, 
you know, Lutheran hymns because they, they're going to, they're going to teach much better theology. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, you, when, when, uh, the reason why they're giving their testimony, it really comes down to, um, you know, why, why do they need to give their testimony? Well, it's because usually this is coming from, uh, theological traditions or tr- ecclesiastical traditions, which deny the, the power of the sacraments. So what is our testimony that we are Christians? It's that we're baptized, that God called us to faith. Jesus calls his body and blood the New Testament. His blood is the New Testament. Um, it is, uh, you know, it, the, the, so this body and blood given to us is a testament to us of God's favor. Now, when you believe that baptism is simply a, uh, a dedication of yourself or of your child to God, and it's something that really essentially we're doing as a sign of, 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 of our faith. Um, and if you believe that faith, with, with a lot of them will say that faith is something that you do by your own free will, accepting Jesus into your heart, which you just mentioned, these things go right along with them having to give a testament. Um, and, and then also, when you don't believe that the body and blood of Jesus are actually present in the bread and the wine given for you for your salvation, then you have to fill the void. You got to fill the void with something else. So what do people do? They talk about themselves. They tell, and sure, they'll talk about what God has done in their lives, but really what it ends up being is them talking about themselves. Now, certainly there are times when we talk about, you know, we might be sitting around talking about uh, uh, things that have happened to us. You can't help but do that. We always do that. And it's good to talk then about how God, uh, God's hand was in it. And that, that's all, that's all fine and good. But as a way to the reason why they, the, these, these Christian rock concerts often, which are often from an evangelical American evangelical persuasion, which denies the sacraments and believes in free will that we somehow have the natural ability to come to God um, to cooperate with God in our conversion. The reason why they emphasize testimonies so much, or witnessing, you know, and with the way that they mean witness is, is witness to their to, to themselves and what how they were converted. Um, again, it's because they need to fill this void, and uh, and I would I would rather look at what how testament and witness are how they are described in the Bible. Uh, they're not described um, in talking about themselves, but rather talking about what Christ has done. Um, and, uh, and so, and, and there's really only one witness, um, and one testament, that is the apostolic witness in the testament of Christ. Um, so if they're going to go up there and talk about how, you know, talk about their conversion experience, well, I would shy away from that. Now, something that you might talk about with your close friends here and there in a casual conversation Sure, fine, you know, and a lot of times you can't help but talk about it. But we should be very careful not to be distracted from that which actually does give us that true assurance and comfort and testament. Yeah, well, when you um, stand up and say, yes, I've been saved, and then it was converted, you're putting the attention on yourself, not on God. Exactly, that's that's exactly it. And so we should should emphasize the sacraments, um, the baptism, the Lord's Supper, the preaching of the Word, absolution— these are the things that Christ has left for his church um, to receive and to continue to proclaim 
um, until he returns. Okay, and there's a second part of this question. We do have Denise on the line. Denise, I want to let you know, we'll get to you as soon as I get this other question answered, because it's, uh, pardon me, not Denise, it's Leah from Milwaukee. And I want to get to this other part of this question, and then we'll get to Leah. The other part of this question, the, the reason I'm, I'm intrigued by this one is because I got called on the carpet by one of the deacons here for this. Uh, it was second question is, it's wrong to invite God into our hearts. Why? Well, because the Holy Spirit is in our heart. So what we do is we act on it. No need to ask or invite. And I remember I, I actually said, used the phrase, well, I've invited, I've asked Jesus into my heart. And the deacon shook his finger at me and said, no, no, no. He's there. Yeah. And no, that's, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. And that's, um, that's I think, needs a, a little bit more explanation. This is one of the things where I didn't fully understand. I know uh, now, but I didn't fully understand that. Yeah, and sometimes from our experience, it might it might seem as though we did something, because you're conscious of it. You know, you, you might, you know, if, especially if you are uh, converted as an adult, you might have that kind of aha moment where you're like, whoa, yeah, I'm a Christian now. Um, and so you might even use the word, I've decided I was a Christian, but really, um, properly speaking, you didn't decide God chose you. Uh, uh, this, is, this is assumed throughout the Scriptures and explicitly taught by Jesus when he says to the apostles, you did not choose me, I chose you. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Romans 9.16 says, it's not of him who wills nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. Um, and so, uh, you know, th- th- it's very important that we maintain that we do not invite Jesus into our hearts, uh, but that rather it's the work of the Holy Spirit through the Word. Um, because if we say that we invite Jesus into our hearts, then, again, it's just like we were talking about before, we become kind of, you know, uh, a, a factor in our salvation. Um, and, and what often happens is that people then rely on their decision. I had a lady one time tell me that she didn't need to be baptized, <laughs> because she made a decision for Jesus, and uh, she's trusting in herself. She's rejecting the gift of the Holy Spirit because she she is confusing herself with the working of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it so, doesn't work that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, and so sometimes people might be confused, and they just need to be kind of corrected and guided. Maybe like what you, how your deacon did with you. I mean, yeah. that doesn't mean that you were a heathen. And, no, he did that, it very lovingly. Just, yeah, that's just from your from your perspective it seemed that way but mm-hmm. it's good for us always to be directed to the word because that's where the holy spirit works well now we have got leah from milwaukee on the line and she wants to talk about pets and conscience leah welcome to the program oh thank you so much i this is almost embarrassing to bring up about the in comparison to what you were just talking about because <laughs> i found that more fascinating than what i'm gonna ask oh i don't know and way less relevant but just as, as anybody who has had a dog knows that when they make a mistake and you see them, they know they've made a mistake. That indicates some kind of conscience mm. to me. And I, I'm not sure if there's any other word I could use to describe it, but they feel bad. And for me, I'm just wondering, any sin-sick soul um, should have a self. So I'm curious if... You know, do dogs go to heaven? I, I know you were talking about that before, but it, especially in lieu of this whole conscience business that I see with dogs, mm-hmm. and I haven't had cats in a long time, but um, cats never showed me. They were sorry for their mistakes. <laughs> they don't uh, think they make yeah. any. <laughs> so, 
All right. So again, yeah. you can get back to that other topic, but I just wanted to bring this no, <laughs> curiosity up. That's a really good question about the consciousness. And again, you know, it's like what I was saying before. If you look in, you look in the the, the creation account, and uh, animals are given a breath of life. Mm-hmm. You know that they're given that. So that so I don't think it's proper to say that animals don't have souls. They just don't have the same kind of souls that we do. Good point. Um, the difference the difference is that we are made in the image of God. I remember when I was in catechism class, uh, when I was in sixth grade or something like that. And my dad, who was, you know, the pastor at the time, um, uh, asked, you know, why did Jesus die for animals or did he die for us? Or, you know, do, do we go to heaven? Why do, why do animals not go to heaven? And uh, we said, well, because they don't have souls. And he said, no, that's not, no, that's not why. Um, he said, because they weren't made in the image of God. So, you know, with the consciousness of an animal, this is a reflection of the uh, original intent of a perfect relationship that we are to have with animals. Um, so, uh, so we don't base our we don't base the fact that we are going to heaven and that God saves humanity simply on the fact that we have consciousness. Again, and this actually is relevant to what we were just talking about because that makes it based on me and my perception and my consciousness. Um, and that's how a lot of people want to do. What a lot of people want to do is they want to argue first from their own existence, first from their own perception, and then go from there. Um, that's how we naturally want to operate. But no, we base our salvation on God's work of creating us in his own image and thereby promising to restore that image to us through the death and resurrection of his son. Um, so when it comes to dogs, we should not deny the dogs and and even cats have a certain consciousness. It's just not, you know, they're not, they're, they're not, uh, they're not machines. Um, uh, but, 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 but the, the point, the reason why that's important, why, and, and why that's there is so that it would teach us of what, of our duty toward the animals. When an animal is kind of whimpery and stuff like, you know, when a dog is kind of whimpery and stuff mm-hmm. like that, he reminds us of, our duty and our responsibility and our helplessness as well. So while we're not, we can't say that the, we cannot say what the Bible doesn't say, um, namely that, that, that animals would be, you know, that Jesus prepared a place for them. No, he doesn't say that. He prepared a place for us. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean um, that they don't have a consciousness. That doesn't mean that they have no value. They're just not as of val- the same value as we are because they weren't made in the image of God. Well, so, I read you know, an article recently uh, from a uh, an animal. It was a psychological study done on dogs, and the conclusion was that despite their looks, you know, dogs really do not feel guilt. They're they they know that when they've displeased their master, but it's not a matter of feeling guilt. I don't believe that for a minute. <laughs> fact, I've been around dogs all my life. I know bloody well that they, <laughs> that they feel guilt. <laughs> I've well, seen this. Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting. That's just a, that's a very interesting distinction there. Yeah. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me of uh, the difference between true contrition and then just fear of punishment. Yeah. Um, you know, if you look at a, yeah, I mean, it, 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 again, it, it, dogs don't have sin. You know, animals don't have sin, and yet they show a reflection of a sinful conscience. Yeah. Uh, why? 
because th- this is for our sake, to remind us of our sinful conscience. This is why Paul says in Romans 8 that the creation uh, groaned, not for its own sake, but for our sake. It, it is groaning for our sake. When a dog looks at you with those puppy dog eyes and he knows that he's done wrong, it's not for his own sake. This is God's way of telling you that you're a sinner yeah. and that you need to repent and that the and then also the comfort that the that the creation groans for the day for the day when the sons of God will be revealed. Well, we have another caller on the line. This is Anna from St. Louis, and she wants to ask about baptism and making a decision, sort of the like the discussion we had earlier. Anna, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Thank you for calling. I, I just had I, I'm having trouble, and I needed clarification. And my husband and I, um, we kind of I, I don't. I believe what you're saying, and uh, to say, and we're not Lutheran, but we're going toward that direction. Good. Um, But my husband can't get around this baptism thing and decision thing because he's from a tradition that makes the decision, and and I as well, but I've done my reading, so I'm embracing this um, your way as well. And um, he says that the decision that the parents make to have a baby baptized is a human decision and so how is the baby's not conscious and I've, I've heard of all the things where you you know the baby can have faith instilled in it through this process and so on and so forth um, but he said no 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 he said parents are humans making a decision for a baby who doesn't know what's going on and how is that any different than a human making a decision uh, to go down the aisle, get saved, get baptized, and so forth. And I just, I just don't have enough knowledge and clarity to discuss this with him to try to help him see. But I just wanted to know if you could help me out. Oh, what a great question, Pastor Preuss. I'm sure you can help her with this one. Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, there are two kind of angles that you can that you can uh, take. The one is that. A Christian has a new will. God has given the Christian a new will. And so that means that if, if you have faith and you know salvation for yourself, then you're going to want it for others. And so in the same way, same reason why you would tell your neighbor about Jesus and talk to your neighbor about, what, about God's Word, you would also take your children to the font because you know that that's where God has, has promised uh, uh, to bestow salvation. And not just that, but raise your children in the faith, have devotions, because you're driven by the Holy Spirit who is within you. So, it's, so it, it, it isn't simply a human work. It is God's work through the parents to bring the children to baptism. And the other angle that you could look at it is that God can use anything to proclaim his word. Think of Balaam. What did God use to turn Balaam back um, so that he would not curse Israel when, uh, when, when the wicked uh, king of uh, the Moabites, uh, Balak, wanted him to curse Israel? He used a donkey. You know, he spoke through the mouth of an ass. Um, and uh, if God, does that mean that, that the turning away of, 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 of uh, Balaam from cursing Israel and thereby instead blessing Israel and, 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 and predicting, prophesying uh, one of the most beautiful prophecies of, of the star of, uh, of, 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 uh, of Jacob 
um, and uh, the scepter of, of, of Christ's rule, um, that this was the work of a donkey? No, God used the donkey. And so, so, so it's like what St. Paul says in Second uh, Corinthians. Uh, he says, we hold these treasures in jars of clay. He, the jars of clay he's talking about are himself. You know, going back to, um, you know, Romans 9, he talks about this, that uh, does, the, does the, 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 the pot, you know, say to he who formed it, why have you made me this way? We, we are simply jars of clay, and God is, God, and God is uh, 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 using us to um, promote his word. The, but what is doing the work is the, of saving is the word. And so the, 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 and this gets back again to the whole testimonial thing. When you deny the sacraments and the power of the sacraments, then you automatically have to fill that void with yourself and with your own will and your own things that you're doing. And so people, you'll hear people talk a lot about how God does amazing things through you. He accomplishes great things through you but they don't talk a lot about the Word of God. It's the Word of God that does these things. So uh, I remember having a conversation with a guy who had a really hard time with baptism saving. And he said, well, baptism doesn't save. And I, well, I quoted First Peter 3.21, which says baptism saves, um, but he wasn't satisfied with that. So I said, okay, let's back up. Does the Word of God save? And he's, he, could, he just couldn't say yes. So I backed up again. And I said, does Jesus save? You know, and so, so, so it's, who brought Jesus, who helped Jesus go to the cross? Well, Simon of Cyrene, you know, did he, uh, did, did he help, uh, 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 you know, save us from our sins? No, Jesus did it. But God used him to help him go to the cross so that he could save us. Did Mary save us from our sins? No, but she bore the, uh, she was a vessel bearing the Christ child. So God uses the instruments of, of, of human beings, and even of donkeys sometimes, but what the real thing that saves us is that treasure, which is within us, jars of clay, which are fragile and break all the time. Um, and that is his word, which is also uh, included in baptism and the Lord's Supper. Well, Lister uh, Twyla has just uh, emailed me with, I think, something that's very pertinent to this particular discussion. Uh, she's quoting uh, the 51st Psalm. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. And that's the desire for baptism even prior to birth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, God knows us. Um, and this is not just, you know, he knows us before the foundations of the world. This doesn't mean that he, this doesn't simply mean that he knows of us, that he knows that we're going to exist, that he's aware of us. No, he knows us personally. And how is his knowing of us revealed? It's through his word. And so that, you know, you look at Mary came in and, and greeted uh, Elizabeth with her wonderful Magnificat, confessing the gospel and how God had, has, had brought salvation. And then what happened, what did Elizabeth say? She said, at your greeting, my child leapt in the womb. You know, so, so it is the word of God that does it. And the, the circumstances might be different, you know, uh, sometimes it's uh, an adult going to be baptized because he has been given faith, and his new man says, well, what prevents me from being baptized, as the Ethiopian eunuch says. Sometimes it's faithful parents who are also moved by the Holy Spirit to do that. Um, whatever it is, whatever is the human agent, doesn't really make, isn't actually what's doing it. What's doing the saving is God's Word. Um, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Um, and the Word of God includes also baptism. 
Well, we're coming into our final three minutes of the program here, and we've got a question from Jeff in Florida. That's that's kind of an interesting one here. Uh, he's his his questions concern the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. In the Apostles' Creed, it states, "On the third day he rose again from the dead." The Nicene Creed states, "On the third day he rose again." Both creeds use the word again and rose as if Jesus had risen from the dead another time. And he asked my, he says, I asked my pastor, and he said it may mean he's alive again rather than he rose again, which sounds like a good answer. Um, I'm not sure. What does this mean? I think that his pastor's right. Um, the uh, um, anahistime, uh, uh, you know, is, is uh, you know, the, the again and stand, Um is really where 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 that the Greek of uh, of, of to, to rise a resurrection um, Anastasia um, is uh, you know a name that we all know um, that means resurrection um, so it really the rising again is more of a of a, a literal translation of the Greek um, which you, you maybe you could look at it as he stood again you know so he's alive again I think that that's a good explanation that he heard from his pastor um, getting at what uh, what what uh, what the Greek really said. So it's not that he was, that he rose from the dead before, and then now he's rising again. No, but he's again, he's again standing alive. Well, I was wondering, uh, one interpretation, possibly, I remember uh, when I was a kid in Sunday school, uh, we were being taught that Jesus actually spent very little time in the tomb. After the tomb was sealed, then he descended to hell. So he left the tomb he went to hell for his triumphal parade through hell for three days, and then he came back. Yeah, and well, and, you know, and and his body is in there locally. Um, but, was his body uh, there know, when he when he went down to hell? Exactly. Well, yeah, and so this gets into you know the uh, the two natures in Christ and the communication of his divine nature with his assumed human nature. So the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, assumed human nature, you know, uh, as his own. And so there's always this full communication of the divine attributes of being everywhere, of uh, of being all powerful, all knowing. They're constantly being being uh, um, you know being communicated to the the human nature. And so this means that even when Jesus is locally on walking on the earth, um, like when he's talking to to Nicodemus, um, he's he's also in his human nature in heaven. So this is you know he says. He says to Nicodemus, no one has uh, ascended to heaven except for the Son of Man, except for he who descended from heaven, namely the Son of Man who is in heaven. And so when Jesus on earth is talking to Nicodemus, he's also in heaven in both natures, because there's that perfect unity of the two natures, while they're distinct, but they're unified in one person. And so when he descends into hell, his body locally is still in the grave, but his body is also in hell because of the... And it's everywhere, actually. But it, but it's through this action, it, it is he also goes to hell um, through this communication of the uh, of the of the divine majesty. And and so so this is this is a profound mystery, the most profound mystery in the Christian faith. But it's very comforting for us because what it tells us is that Jesus's body is always with us. 
And that means if he's always, if his human nature is everywhere, wherever his divine nature is, which is everywhere, that means that everywhere and at all times and in all places, Jesus is our advocate. Well, Pastor, I'm sorry I've got to interrupt you here. <laughs> they're they're talking about ending safe, the program. secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting. The pastor is in on Worldwide KFUO.